Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome back to Birdland tonight. I'm Ryan Blake. That's Andrew Stetka. We're here to recap the Orioles' home opener today. They fall 7-3 to three to the Boston Red Sox, but still 4-3 and three on the season, tied for the division lead, albeit small sample size, but it's still fun to sit on top. Yeah, no question, Ryan. It's, uh, you know, it's a tough one to take today. The bats kind of seem to go quiet after that first inning, and uh, the defense letting, letting Matt Harvey down a little bit, too. So uh, a tough result for the home fans, first time. The fans were back in the ballpark since 2019, but uh, the Orioles are, you know, there's still some things to look at that are positive here, but obviously a tough one to take uh, for, for the first one at home. Yeah, you mentioned fans in the ballpark first time in quite a while over at Camden Yards. Uh, 10,150 fans he announced attendance, uh, most notably so Mr. Cowerpkin Jr. sitting behind the plate, but uh, not in attendance, and we're, we're still trying to figure out why. Uh, PA address, I guess PA announcer uh, Ryan Wagner uh, I guess something must have happened because it was Adrian Robertson, uh, who I've heard many a time at Bowie Bay Sox uh, Stadium down in Prince George's County. Um, it was it was her on the PA. So we're still trying to find out uh, what's what's going on with with that. Yeah, something something some word of, of something happened with with Ryan. So I'm not 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 sure all the details, but I'm sure they will come out in the coming days. I'm sure they will. Uh, so uh, four and three now, uh, and and I've been now on the post game show twice. I've been in attendance once, and the Orioles are zero and three in those games. So I might have to stay away a little bit. Uh, that does it, it's good news for Saturday, but it does not bode well for Sunday. That will be my first game at Camden Yards. I'm I'm very excited for that, but I might have to shy away if the Orioles keep losing when I'm involved. Yeah, man, uh, this is this is my first loss of the season. So I've I've been on two of these so far. They were both victories last week against the Red Sox, but this is my first L. So uh, it seems you know, like my my negative energy is more powerful than your positive energy. <laughs> it must unfortunately, be. Uh, now uh, another notable story for the Orioles today: Brandon Hyde ejected in the fourth inning, arguing a uh, a strike call on a Rio Ruiz hit by pitch. Uh, Andrew, I think I think Rio went around on that one. Yeah, I think he did. Um, I can understand why why Brandon Hyde would be upset uh, at a call like that going going not going the Orioles' way, but um, Ruiz certainly went around, and the fans in the ballpark, you know, certainly didn't think he did either. But I don't think they had as good of a look at it as as those of us watching on on television did. Uh, he certainly did go around, but we've seen a number of of, of missed calls even th- even throughout the game today that have <laughs> that have changed the course of games. If if, if anybody saw what happened. Uh, up in New York uh, with the Mets Marlins game. I mean, things are, things are going awry in, in major league baseball with umpiring so far. We saw Angel Hernandez the other day, have a, have a whale of a game. So I can understand why not only fans, but the manager um, may think that something has gone awry with, with some of the, uh, the, the umpiring lately, but that seemed like the right call to me. Unfortunately, um, Brandon, you know, I'm sure when Brandon Hyde got back into the clubhouse and, and saw it on replay uh, and calmed down a little bit, he probably realized, uh, Maybe Blue got that one right. 
regardless, it's nice to see him care and, and, and try to stand up for his players in that situation. But it's a rule that I feel like many casual baseball fans don't really know. If you get hit by a pitch, it doesn't matter whether or not you swing. And it's not the first time we've seen this. I seem to recall it happening with, I think it was Melvin Mora uh, years and years ago. He completely went around on a pitch that hit him right in the ribs and it was called strike three. Uh, we saw it earlier this year. I believe it was a Rockies game. A player got hit uh, right in the groin area with a pitch that he swung at and uh, that was a shameful walk back to the dugout for him. But yeah, it, it happens every once in a while. And, and unfortunately, today it happened to Rio and he went on later in the at-bat to strike out. Well, and even in the Red Sox top half of the ninth, it was close on Raphael Devers when he got hit by the pitch. He almost went around. So that's true. These kinds of things happen. They sure do. Now, for the first couple innings of tonight's game, uh, the teams traded blows, both teams with three hits and a couple runs in the first inning. The Red Sox runs coming on a Rafael Devers homer and the Orioles coming on one from Ryan Mountcastle in the bottom half. And uh, it wasn't the best start for Harvey. He struggled a little bit in that first inning, 25 pitches. But what stood out to me was as soon as he gave up that double to uh, Alex Verdugo, uh, the second batter of the game, he came right back and struck out J.D. Martinez on a 95 mile an hour fastball. Andrew, what did you see from from Matt Harvey that you liked tonight? You know, I weirdly felt feel kind of similar to his first start. It was like I liked it for what my, Matt Harvey's expected to bring to this team. You know, um, he got through five, as you mentioned, like that's something that he was disappointed he wasn't able to do in his first start up at Fenway Park last weekend. So that was positive to see. And like you said, a little bit of a struggle in that first inning, but buckled down really and got the job done over the next few innings. He finishes um, pitches into the sixth, seven hits, four earned runs, but those runs you know, and we'll talk about it. That sixth inning kind of unraveled on Ryan Mountcastle's adventures, I guess we'll call them out in left field. And for the most part, I thought, you know, the, the fact that he was able to get out of that first inning uh, with only two runs allowed kind of buckled down after that and got the Orioles through the bulk of this game as the starter. I thought that was really important and a really um, strong show from, from him for his second start out. Yeah, I certainly agree. You mentioned uh, he he really wanted to be able to get through five in that first start in Boston, got through four and two thirds and was able to come out to start off the sixth inning. And uh, unfortunately, that didn't go too well for him. Thanks in part to the defense there in the outfield. And, and we'll talk a little more about the pitching here in a minute. But since you bring up the defense, uh, let's let's go ahead and dive into some numbers there. And and the fact of the matter is that Ryan Mountcastle, for for much of his minor league career, one of the things that was holding him back was his inability to play uh, any specific and uh, he held on in the field in the Oop, did I lose Ryan? <laughs> I think we've lost Ryan for the moment. Uh you you back with me Ryan? Are we back? There he is. <laughs> I, I'm having some connectivity issues today. I didn't experience that the other night, so I'll have to figure out what's going on. But No worries, uh, man. You were making a point about Ryan Mountcastle. Yeah, yeah. So uh, there were a couple plays that, that Mountcastle was unable to make today, one of them being uh, a, a single from Christian Vasquez, uh, a, a fly ball that Mountcastle was not able to get to, had an expected batting average of uh, 30. Not 300, but 30. And for, for the fan that doesn't know what expected batting average means, essentially uh, – a ball hit with that exit velocity at that launch angle or trajectory is a base hit 3% of the time. That's what that number means. And, uh, and Mountcastle is, uh, is in that 3%, I guess, or at least was tonight. On the flip side, Cedric Mullins was fantastic. He run, ran down a ball uh, in front of the Orioles' bullpen, and he also made a great diving catch 
on a ball that looked like he started over in the uh, the ground screw cage out in right field. He was he was shaded over toward the the out of town scoreboard over there, and uh, and he was able to get to a ball that under normal circumstances would probably belong to Mountcastle. But oddly enough, that ball also had an expected batting average of uh, thirty, and uh, and Mullins was able to get to that one. Yeah, and and obviously the the injury to Austin Hayes is kind of what we're seeing a trickle down effect from here. Um, we're having to see Ryan Mountcastle play a little bit of left field, and he's struggling. There's there's no way around it. We're not going to try and sugarcoat it. Uh, at least I'm not. Um, we know that Ryan Mountcastle has not really had a set position coming all throughout the minors. He's played shortstop, first base. I think he even played a little third base at some point. Um, you know, now he's in now he's in left field. And he's really more of a first baseman designated hitter type, which obviously we know the Orioles have an abundance of. Um, so they've they've tried to stick him out there and left, and it has not gone well throughout the first week of the season or so. So this is something that I think the Orioles long term, they don't really need to figure it out because obviously they're they're do- everybody knows what the Orioles are doing this season. Um, I think they can let let him have some growing pains, but those growing pains are going to include what we saw in the sixth inning today. And it, it kind of, you know, you mentioned the expected batting average on some of those balls that Mountcastle was not able to get through. He also missed a cutoff man uh, that was charged with an error later in the game, allowed a runner to move a base. So we're seeing, you know, those growing pains are really evident here in the early going with Ryan Mountcastle playing the field. And obviously, the reason that you go through those growing pains and you don't just bench him, the guy hit a home run in the first inning. Uh, the guy has the bat to to play at this level. We know that. So um, hopefully the bat overshadows what he's doing defensively. Um, and, you know, you, you just kind of have to take the good with the bat at this point with, with Ryan Mountcastle. Yeah, and Brandon Hyde will certainly settle for maybe a little bit more subpar defense in the outfield if it means Mountcastle's bat is in the lineup and contributing the way uh, many of us expect it to. Um, now, I had a, I had another point I was going to bring up, but oh, the throwing error was was actually his first error of the year. So R- Mountcastle presents a little bit of a counter argument for those that kind of look at fielding percentage as uh, kind of the way to evaluate fielders. Right. And there's certainly something to be said about you know a player's ability or inability to to make errors. But um, Mountcastle's a guy you you might want to look at uh, at some of the you know whether it's just the eye test. Uh, don't just look at yeah. the errors and say oh he's doing okay, but. Um, yeah, we, he's, he's someone we certainly want to, to see improve out there. Yeah. I mean, the eye test is rough. You mentioned the Mullins diving catch. That looks like a ball that Mountcastle should have. And you're kind of wondering, it, it almost looked like it might've been a collision there at one point and Mountcastle kind of, uh, ducked in behind Mullins cause Mullins was, you know, rearing down on him and coming through to, to, to catch that ball. So it all looks a little, um, off in left field right now with, with Austin Hayes absence. And the other, the other point I want to make. There are going to be fans that, that are out there that say, eh, it's okay, just wait till DJ Stewart gets back. I'm not so sure DJ Stewart's an option in left field either, or, or at least a great option. So defensively, you really would like to have Austin Hayes get back um, and let him play out there a little bit more than some of the other options that we've seen. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. I'm not sure DJ Stewart would be the uh, the uh, optimal replacement for for Ryan Mountcastle out in left field. Like you said, we certainly want to see Hayes get healthy. He was off to a great start uh, in the spring, uh, faltered a little bit with the bat, but uh, we want to get him back in the lineup and in the outfield sooner rather than later, for sure. Now, uh, the Orioles bullpen struggled a little bit tonight. Uh, part of the reason, I think, being uh, it was the second consecutive outing uh, 
for Paul Fry, Sean Armstrong, and Dylan Tate. All three of them pitched in the game last night, which worked out pretty well for the Orioles as they were able to come away with a 4-3 to victory in extra innings in New York. But that just kind of goes to show you a little bit about you know, there, there aren't a whole lot of reliable arms in the bullpen that, that Hyde can turn to in a pinch. Um, you know, he's he's shown us that Tanner Scott and Cesar Valdez are going to be his late inning guys. We've seen Wade LeBlanc pitch twice, and they've both been, I don't want to say garbage time, but that's kind of when they're using him. Uh, tonight, it was in the, the ninth inning of a 7-3 to three game, and he pitched in the Bronx in the, in the eighth inning, and we were down 4 to nothing. Uh, so there's there's not a whole lot he can turn to there. And, and I want to talk about the, the Rule 5 guys in a moment, but what did you see out of out of those relievers tonight? Well, it is tough. I mean, it's tough. You mentioned they pitch last night, then they turn around, they have to travel overnight, you know, come back and play a day game tomorrow. It's a point that Jim Palmer made on Masson's broadcast multiple times today, talking about the players union needing to do something about teams having the option to play it because the Red Sox played a day game. So it is tough. Um, look, the Orioles have a large enough pitching staff on this 26 man roster to get by. So Brandon Hyde's continuing to go to the well with, you know, guys who he wants to rely on on back to back days but it does put them in a tight spot. And, you know, we mentioned Matt Harvey was charged with four runs because of that sixth inning, partially because of the defensive lapses. Um, the bullpen is, is kind of, you know, relying on the defense as well. So if, 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 if that, if that defense is not up to standard, I mean, I'm not saying that all the bullpen guys can blame everything on the, on the defense, but um, that's certainly something to to point to as well. I didn't think anyone pitched particularly well, except for Tyler Wells, uh, who you said you mentioned you wanted to talk about those Rule Five guys. But um, I thought Wells looked pretty good overall. He he gave up the one home run to Kike Hernandez uh, in the eighth inning, but otherwise recorded three strikeouts out of his uh, inning and a third of work. So I thought Wells overall was the, you know from anybody in the bullpen. Wells was the one that stood out to me because of that. I don't know if uh, if you've heard me at all. I, I have I I cut out again somehow. But uh, I I think you were talking about Tyler Wells. I don't know if you could see me even on the screen because it went black for me. But uh, yeah, Wells was was uh, looked great tonight until he he hung that breaking ball to Kike Hernandez. Yeah. Uh, came in in a jam and was able to get out of it, much like we saw Max Roller do in in New York. So the Rule Five guys so far have been on the impressive side, I would argue. Yeah, and you like you mentioned, one hung breaking ball to Kike Hernandez, but otherwise, I thought he looked pretty good. The bullpen today gives up uh, three runs in four innings. On top of Harvey, um, you know the other the other part of the problem is you look at the combination of how this game played out. You mentioned earlier the the first handful of innings were almost blow for blow even for both teams. I mean, both teams had a rough first inning. Both teams had a quick one, two, three second inning. Um, and the pitchers, the starting pitchers, that is, seem to to kind of get back on on track quickly. Um, and for the Orioles, however, they got three of their five total hits in that first inning and two of their three runs. The final eight innings, they had two hits and one run scored. So you need to you need to not only score more runs, but you need to do it other than in the first inning. You need to be able to spread that out uh, throughout the game a little better too. Yeah, hitting is contagious, and we've certainly seen with with these Orioles teams in recent years that when when one bat goes cold, a lot of the others seem to follow suit, and and that's not exactly a recipe for success. But one bright spot from today, Pedro Severino was the other Orioles homer. We've already talked about Ryan Mountcastle plenty. Severino quietly hitting 318 to start the year. He got off to a hot start last year with the bat, really struggled near the end. Do you think he can keep up his his positive trend? 
I hope so. Um, the, the the more frustrating thing for me with Pedro Severino is continues to be his his work behind the plate. Um, we see pitches that are considered wild pitches, but I would consider them pass balls. They're balls that should be blocked. Uh, we see that often. And also we see constantly, um, and part of this is, is on umpires, but the pitch framing can, can be better. Uh, it, you know, he catches many pitches that are strikes that just don't look like strikes to the umpire because of the way that they are being framed. So those are things that with time, you know, we will, we will see improvement in because we know that there's a catcher, uh, on, on the horizon for the Orioles, who is very, very good at those things. Um, but for now, you know, if Pedro Severino is going to offer something positive to this club, it, it will be with the bat. Um, and I, and I also like the way that he controls the pitching staff. I like the way that he's able to kind of run things. He's not a, um, he's not a, a, a captain, but he's, he, he may as well be on, on this, uh, with this version of the Orioles right now, he's doing a good job of, of being a leader for pitchers and, and kind of, being a captain without the armband, if you will, uh, on on the field. Yeah, there's certainly something to be said about that. And you mentioned his his inability behind the plate to you know help keep those strikes in the zone uh, for for the umpires. But on the flip side, he also doesn't seem to uh, help out his pitchers in terms of of getting those strike calls. Uh, one specific example that stood out to me today was the four pitch walk uh, from Matt Harvey to Marwin Gonzalez in the first inning. Three of those yeah. pitches were very very borderline. And, uh, and and Severino didn't help him out very much. And then uh, later in the inning, I don't recall the batter, but uh, it was a 2-2 pitch. There was a runner uh, stealing. And I'll give Severino a little credit. It's it's kind of hard to frame a pitch when uh, when there's a runner going, but uh, yeah. it, w- it was very clearly should have been strike three and uh, and was called a ball because Severino was moving a little bit behind the plate. So yeah, I was I actually had to go I actually had to go look at the pitch illustration on that because I wasn't sure why it was called a ball. It, it was not even a borderline pitch. It was just clearly a strike and right. somehow got called a ball. And uh, you're right. It was the stolen the runners were running wild. Nobody seemed to be paying attention to, to much of anything in that first inning either. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's unfortunate that that's, that's the way it, it went down. But like you said, we have a catcher waiting in the wings who hopefully, you know, we may see at some point this year might not be till next year, but I mentioned this on, on the post game show the other night and uh, he kind of shut me up with an RBI single last night, but chance Cisco is also playing like he uh, is, is ready for Adley to come up and, and take his place. Yeah, we, I mean, that's, that's certainly true. And like I said, with a catcher right now, if you're a catcher right now with the Orioles, because you know, what's behind you, you just want to be able to contribute either with the bat or or defensively. You don't need to do both. You don't need to to go out and wow, but you need to be able to earn your place somewhat in this lineup. And um, you know, like you said, at least Severino is doing that right now with the bat. Yeah, that's very important, especially with with the number of young arms the Orioles have on the staff. I believe they have four rookie pitchers currently on the staff, and I'm sure we'll see some more as the season progresses. Um, you know, Keegan Aiken, I think we kind of expect to be up at some point when the Orioles. Uh, need another starter and might have a, a string of games in a row, but uh, off day tomorrow and, and hopefully they'll get some rest and regroup a little bit and, and bounce back against the Sox uh, this weekend. Well, and you mentioned that we talked about Severino a little bit. Even he was not, um, you know, immune to the strikeout today. He struck out in his final two at bats, including in that ninth inning where the Orioles went down with three straight strikeouts to end the game against Matt Barnes. The Orioles struck out 14 times in this game today. And this is something that we talked about, uh, on this very post-game show last weekend in Boston, we said, okay, things are going pretty well here. The Orioles are winning games to start the year, um, but they are striking out a lot. Well, it just so happens they set a major league record today. It was their fifth straight game 
with at least 13 strikeouts. No team in baseball has ever done that before. So I know that strikeouts are a big part of the game these days. It's, you know, the old three true outcomes, strikeout, walk, a home run. Um, but the Orioles are certainly um, leading the charge in terms of, of whiffing at the plate. Um, and, and we saw that more evidence of that today. Even with the guys that are getting the job done somewhat at the plate, they are still striking out at an, at a, an alarmingly high rate, even for today's standard in baseball. Yeah, and in fact, Pat Valeka, the only Orioles starter today to not strike out. Uh, and and yeah, you mentioned the three true outcomes. The Orioles are striking out a ton. They are not walking. It's uh, aside from the offensive barrage on Sunday in Boston, when they walked eight times, they have not walked more than twice in a game. I believe it was one today. And again, that was in the eighth or ninth inning. Or yeah, the eighth I inning, Valeka. I guess. Cause... Yeah, Valeka, Valeka in the eighth. He's he's the only guy. He got up to plate three to the plate three times uh, and had one walk and, and two put outs. So you know, he was the one guy that was able to draw a walk in this game. You're right. Yeah, I'll take it. And, uh, you know, and the homers are finally starting to come. It looks like two of them last night, two of them again tonight after Ruiz's blast in the ninth against the Yankees on Monday. Uh, so, so hopefully the bats will start to come around a little bit and, and we'll start to see some power numbers coming up soon. Yeah, no question. But before we get out of here, did, did you, did you have anything to say about just the, I mean, look, this was a loss and it was a, you know, a tough one to take, but just the joy of seeing fans back at Oriole Park at Camden Yards, because that for me was, I mean, that was the whole reason I really wanted to to tune in and and, and do this post game show with you today, just because that's really cool to see. And we know a bunch of people who were there, you and I, and um, got to see our buddy Paul Valley and 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 his fiance Laura put put up on the on the Masson, uh, you know, the Masson broadcast as well. So they were at the game, and um, you know, a lot a lot of people we know get to experience a, a baseball game in person. Uh, I know my dad was there with a friend and and was texting with him a little bit back and forth. So just kind of cool that that people are be, being able to go back to see these this team in person again at at the best ballpark in in the game, in my opinion. Yeah, it's the best. I'm I'm a little upset on a personal level that my first baseball game in a year and a half was at Yankee Stadium, but I wasn't going to miss out on an opportunity. And and that's the way the schedule was set up. But I, I will be there Sunday. And I'm very much looking forward to it. And yeah, it's it's great to see fans back in the stands. If nothing else, Oriole fans are a passionate bunch. You'll see that every time we beat somebody and the memes go flying on the official Twitter accounts. Um and, and yeah, it's it's great that we were able to get some fans back out at the yard tonight. I mentioned the, the announced attendance, 10,150, uh, just about 25% capacity as is allowed by uh, the governor and the mayor. And uh, yeah, it's it's great. I'm excited to, to get back out there. Like you said, it's the best ballpark in baseball, and it just wasn't the same without those loud fans in attendance. And also really cool to see the fact that Trey Mancini – back in front of the fans after battling cancer. So he obviously got a, a huge roar when he was introduced before the game and a huge roar and, and a standing ovation when he came up for his first at bat too. Um, really cool. Also, I saw a quote from Mancini before the game uh, sent out by rock Kabatko of MassInsports.com, kind of pointing out that he, he hopes that that fans are, are also going to appreciate Eduardo Rodriguez's return to the game. Uh, for those who don't know, Rodriguez, the former Orioles farmhand now with the Red Sox, obviously started his first game today after dealing with COVID-19 last season and actually dealt with a missed the whole season because of it, dealt with a lot of complications, myocarditis, uh, the, the inflammation of the heart because of it. So was back on the mound for them today. Um, so I thought that was obviously we all know Trey Mancini is about the classiest human being out there, but he there was a quote about him hoping that, that folks would shine a light on, on Edward Rodriguez as well. So I thought that was really cool and just obviously just epitomizes the kind of person that Mancini is. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I'm glad you brought up Trey and Eduardo. I feel bad that I neglected that for the last 27 minutes, but uh, yeah, that no was worries, awesome. Man. I, was, I was gonna make sure we got it in. <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's why I have you here. Now, uh, I, yeah, I was I was at work for for most of this afternoon. Actually, luckily, I work at a, a place where my job is essentially to watch baseball. So I had a little TV screen in my cubicle, and I had the, I had the game on because they have extra innings or whatever. And uh, I'll admit, I, I I teared up a little bit when uh, when Trey came up to bat in the first inning and and got that standing ovation. We saw all the fans, players, coaches, everyone standing up for him. And and yeah, like you said, one of the classiest guys you could possibly know. Uh, we know many people who can attest to that personally. And uh, yeah, it was it was great to see uh, see his return. And and obviously, we wish the best for both him and Eduardo as they as they continue their recovery. And uh, and keep playing the game that that makes them so happy, and hopefully it's a little bit of a distraction for them. And like I said, we wish them the best for sure. Yeah, no question. Uh, bef- before we definitively get out of here, any thoughts on Bruce Zimmerman, hometown boy, makes his first home start tomorrow with the Orioles, and they'll go up against Garrett Richards, who they were able to beat around a little bit uh, last weekend at Fenway. Um, I'm excited for one to see Zimmerman. Uh, obviously, it won't be tomorrow. I should say tomorrow's an off day. It'll be Saturday. Uh, the, the, got the built-in rain date tomorrow, but Saturday Zimmerman takes them out against Garrett Richards. Any thoughts on uh, on the rest of this series against the Red Sox? Yeah, I was I was going to try to politely correct you once you were done and, and mention Saturday, but yeah, I was, was going <laughs> to. There you go. I'm, I'm proud of you. Uh, I was going to I was going to make a note of that as well. Actually, yeah, Zimmerman and, and Richards will be a rematch of a game that went heavily in the Orioles' favor in Boston. Yeah. Uh, obviously we hope he's the local product, went to Loyola, uh, Towson, and, uh, and we, we hope that he can continue that, that positive trend as he faces Garrett Richards once again, uh, at, at home. And, and I'm, I'm excited for the matchup. You know, I think I'm sure he's going to have some family there. I know he'll have plenty of friends. I know some people who went up to see his start in Boston, people who know him from high school, college, whatever it may be. Uh, so yeah, it's, I'm, I'm sure it's, that's an exciting moment for him. He gets to start, uh, in a, in a major league rotation and get to do it in front of his, his family and friends in the home crowd. So, um, yeah, that's, that's going to be a great game, uh, on Saturday and then, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll have a rubber match to play for on Sunday. Yeah, uh, it, it should be great, man. Um, we're also seeing some quotes from, from folks like Trey Mancini come out after this game, just praising the fans, even though it was only 25% capacity, he said it felt like a full stadium. So obviously the fans, despite the result, despite the 7-3 loss, um, had themselves a, a good time out there today. That Just exciting to have fans be able to, you know, hopefully safely go out to baseball games at this point and uh, experience the, the Orioles for, for all they are right now, even, even if it is a little bit of a struggle. Yeah, it's, it's great to be back, even if it's not a full house. Uh, Andrew mentioned Bruce Zimmerman and Garrett Richards for the Orioles on uh, Saturday. After their off day tomorrow, they'll wrap up the series at Camden Yards on Sunday against the Red Sox. Uh, Michael Vetter and Joe Chambers will have the postgame show. Make sure you're following us on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Twitch, at Birdland Sports on all of those platforms. That's been Andrew Stecka. I'm Ryan Blake. Thank you all for tuning in to Birdland tonight. We'll see you next time. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Virginia. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code CHAMPION150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Virginia today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. 
BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. 